Hello and welcome to Mad City Podcast. Um, I'm going to skip the ad recording uh, for today's little piece. Um, Originally, I was just going to do this as sort of like a Tuesday teaser to talk about um, an upcoming episode that I'm going to be doing uh, and tell you a little bit about who my guest will be Um, and uh, share something with you that uh, daily reflection reading uh, from today that uh, is uh, part of the literature from Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, I have no qualms or issue with mentioning that by name specifically because uh, in case it isn't already um, evident and obvious, uh, I do not represent that organization. Uh, I'm merely a part of it. I'm not the poster child. Uh, I do not speak for them as a whole. Um, In fact, the only group uh, or thing larger than myself that I I really feel totally confident and uh, and without shame can 100% speak for is the city of Madison in which I'm from. Uh, Because uh, as I've said before, and we'll say again, I am the most Madison motherfucker that you will ever meet. Uh, (laughs) And there it is. Uh, hence the name uh, Mad City Podcast Uh, it's not just the town I'm from it's also because we are clearly mad at least I am but uh, you know a lot of things can make you mad as it were Uh, not just angry and upset but uh, deranged and and looking for some answers I guess (laughs) just because shit gets so fucking weird sometimes that it's 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 almost like, is this, is this the real life? Is this reality? Just caught in a landslide, no escape. So, oh, I fucked it up. <laughs> God damn it! I messed up the lyrics. I'm sorry, Freddy. Wherever you are, don't haunt me. Actually, yes, haunt me, Freddy Mercury. That would be awesome. That I, that would that would be fantastic. If I could be haunted by anybody, it would be that. That would be cool. Um, but anyway, so I wanted to talk about this this uh, reading for for February sixteenth. Um, the uh, the headline, the heading of it is "Faithful Feelings," and there's a little quote from another piece of literature that goes with it. And of course, again, this should go without saying. If you've reviewed any of my previous podcasts, know me at all. Uh, have known anything about me over the course of at least the last, you know, 11 and a half years, know that I'm a person in long-term recovery. And, and what's, what that means is that I have had long stints of, of abstinence from all drugs, um, with the exception of nicotine and tobacco. Uh, and even, you know, short periods, of, you know, without nicotine for three and a half years plus five months. And, you know, every time I was ever incarcerated, uh, and, uh, and, you know, away from hard drugs. And then there's been times where I've gone back to using, to drinking, uh, for, uh, brief and sometimes extended periods of time, uh, as it is now, uh, I'm almost, uh, four months away from my last drink and, uh, and, uh, several, several more months, uh, from my last use of, last use of any, uh, illicit drugs. Um, 
aside from using, you know, over-the-counter medications and uh, prescribed trazodone uh, to help me sleep on occasion. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much just sucking down cigarettes and coffee on the daily. And that's something that I will, you know, address at some point when I feel comfortable and confident in doing so. Um, I, uh... So yeah, I wanted to talk about this this reading uh, briefly, and what it's describing is, uh, well here, I'll read the heading. Um, when we refuse to accept the reality of today, we are denying faith in our higher power. This can only bring more suffering. Um, I am already just messing this up. Uh, excuse me, hold on. Some technical difficulties. There we go. <clears throat> Hopefully, uh, I can be heard a little better now. I don't have to yell across the room. Um, so, the reading goes on to say, Some days just aren't the way we wish they would be. Our problems may be as simple as a broken shoelace, or having to stand in line at the supermarket, which I find hilarious because I work in a supermarket. I deal with people having to stand in line all the time. And I do my best to keep people engaged and entertained and feeling uh, comfortable and um, knowing that in that brief moment that we share together that they are the most important person in that line. Not to say that anybody else in that line is not also important but in that particular moment, they have my divided attention. Exclusive attention. Um, case in point, last night I was left alone for the last three hours of work and had to stay an hour late uh, in order to close and clean up because I was abandoned by the rest of my team, essentially. And, uh, and it got pretty crazy there. Like The line was literally going all the way through uh, the store and some people got so impatient that they abandoned their shopping carts and I had to put all that stuff away after we closed the doors which takes a lot longer than you might think um, but I didn't get angry you know I, I didn't get uh, you know I didn't blow my top or anything I was just a little little frustrated and confused as to why uh, the two people that clocked out at 8 o'clock were then coming through the line themselves at 8.45 <laughs> with items that they were, were wanting to purchase. It's like, if you guys had to leave right at 8, if you had to clock out right at 8, you could have saved us all some time by staying on, on the clock, which you would have been paid for, uh, and uh, helped, you know, move the line through, and then they could have gotten their items and been on their way in probably less time. So, anyway, somebody else will probably end up talking to them about that. I cannot be held responsible for the uh, comfort and pleasure of, of everyone all the time. But, you know, I kept it together. And, uh, and then the reading goes on to say, uh, or we may experience something far more serious, such as the loss of a job, a home, or a loved one. Either way, we often end up looking for a way to avoid our feelings instead of simply acknowledging those, those feelings or that those feelings are painful. Uh, so I read this earlier today. I shared about it in a meeting with some people and I recorded something earlier, much like what I'm saying now, uh, but without 
the current knowledge that I have. Um, I'll go on with the reading and then I'll come back to that. Uh, It says, No one promises us that everything will go our way when we stop using. In fact, we can be sure that life will go on whether we're using or not. We will face good days and bad days, comfortable feelings and painful feelings. But when we don't have to run, but we don't have to run from any of them any longer. We can experience pain, grief, sadness, anger, frustration, all those feeling all those feelings we once avoided with drugs. We find that we can get through the, the, those emotions clean. We won't die and the world won't come to an end just because we have uncomfortable feelings. We learn to trust that we can survive what each day brings. And then it closes with, just for today, colon, I will demonstrate my trust in God by experiencing this day just as it is. Okay. Now, I don't want you to be under the impression, uh, if you're not familiar with Narcotics Anonymous text, uh, this is not a religious text, and it's not a religious organization. Uh, they consider themselves spiritual, not religious, which I know can sign of, sound like a cop-out. You know, it's a little wishy-washy and, you know, waffling on the fence kind of thing. Um, but, you know, personal opinions aside, uh, you know, I, 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 I find comfort in knowing that as an organization, they promote, well, not promote, but encourage spirituality, feeling oneness and connectedness uh, with others and, uh, you know, the world around them and, and, you know, a higher power if one wishes to, uh, to designate uh, a singular being or presence or, or an idea um, as their higher power. That's fine if it gets them through the day. Um, I don't share a lot of the the beliefs that, that many people have. Uh, and that's fine because there's no rules about what anybody has to believe. Um, I will say though that, uh, I do find great comfort in feeling connected, uh, to what I'm always feeling connected to. I don't know. And I would never presume to have the details of that. Uh, I don't know how that works. It's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't put myself out, uh, and I don't, uh, I don't delude myself uh, by thinking that I, I, I have to have all the answers or that I do, you know, thinking that I do have all the answers. So what I get from this reading is that, you know, well, as, as, as it says in, in other forms of any literature, that the spiritual aspect of the disease of addiction is our self-centeredness, that feeling of utter aloneness. Um, you know, addiction tends to cause people to isolate themselves because they feel isolated and alienated from the rest of the world. They, they don't understand that other people can relate to them in a lot of ways. And no matter how similar a painful situation might be, or even a, a happy situation, um, we kind of box ourselves in and then use that as a, uh, an excuse or a reason, if you will, to, um, 
to, uh, um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, to alienate others or, uh, to exploit, uh, relationships and situations. So, you know, it's, it's easy for someone to say, oh, you know, like I had the worst day or I had such a shitty day or I'm having a shitty day or, you know, I had a terrible morning or my afternoon sucked or God damn it, what a night, you know, as it relates to some situation that affected us in some psychological or emotional way that we're carrying on into other circumstances, situations and relationships. Uh, and what a lot of that I think has to do with is, you know, that self-centered aspect of it, but, but what it goes more into is this feeling of victimization, um, that something is happening to you, uh, and not just something that you're witnessing or are simply a part of, um, or that, uh, you know, when something good happens, you know, we can say like, oh, this happened for me, even, you know, because we see the benefit, how it benefits our, our situation and circumstance. So like, oh, yeah, this was a blessing for me. You know, I've heard people say like, like, well, you know, the pandemic really kind of worked in my favor because, because of whatever area, whatever field of work they're in, you know, like their business picked up where others, you know, suffered a loss. Um, it's, that's just circumstantial, you know, it's not like there's some higher being, <laughs> I don't think, out there picking and choosing who, who gets to reap the rewards, <laughs> you know, of a shitty situation and who's gonna, you know, have to scrounge and scrape through. Um, I don't think, uh, I don't think gods and higher powers as a lot of people describe them operate that way or would if they existed. Sorry to say if, I mean, I don't mean to offend anybody, I'm just, you're listening to an atheist, I mean, what can I say? <laughs> I shouldn't apologize, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't mean to piss anybody off or hurt anyone's feelings, it's just, I just, uh, I, I'm not convinced, and it's not because of a lack of proof or evidence, it's just because I just don't think it's plausible, you know, any god that I would believe in and worship wouldn't be a dick like that, <laughs> you know? And if the God that, that people talk about is so wonderful, then I don't think, I don't know. I think the message is just getting lost. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, this idea that, like, your day can be ruined because something bad happens. And we, you know, we exploit the situation and we get into feelings of self-pity and victimization. Like, oh, this happened to me and now everything sucks. And... You know, we feel like we're like we've been attacked, you know, like like our time was robbed of us, you know, like our our happiness, our comfortability. And, you know, that's the thing about being an addict, too, is we we have a, a really difficult time dealing with being uncomfortable, you know, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or just really just simple anxiety, you know, like unexplainable anxiety that we can't even really uh dig around and find a source for a source of uh people will use drugs to to mask that feeling of uncomfortability or to convert it completely into something else uh and you know people use other things it's not just uh chemicals like you know heroin or alcohol or tobacco or, or marijuana um people use food you know 
quote unquote eating your feelings away you know uh, people impulsively buy a lot of crap they don't need uh, people gamble um, people cut themselves you know other forms of self-harm I, I consider my my uh, continued uh, habit of smoking a, 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 a practice of self-harm um, it's really no different than how a person experiences uh, the satisfaction gratification of dragging a blade across their skin um, except I don't know if I did that I'd probably be in better shape because most razor blades don't come equipped with cancer <laughs> you know so um, yeah minus like you know a wound getting infected tetanus or something like that uh, yeah it'd probably be alright but um but it's, it's, it's a way to control, to, to feel like you have control over a situation. You know, so it's not the situation that gets us all bent out of shape and flustered and frustrated and uh, worked up or, or feeling victimized. It's our reaction to those feelings that I think ultimately plays a bigger part. Um, you know, if something happens that makes me uncomfortable that I, I'm not having a, a good time dealing with or I simply don't know how to deal with and I resort to using substance or uh, an unhealthy behavior, what I'm trying to do is, is demonstrate some authority, some power uh, in my world, in my existence, so that I don't have to feel like such a victim, uh, so that I don't have to feel like a tourist uh, in my uh, in my own emotions so that can be done you know by yeah putting uh, pain you know causing pain in my in, in, on my body or um, playing around with the chemicals in my brain or weaponizing my feelings against others trying to be dominant in uh, some other relationship or social situation uh, and uh you know, I mean, the, the, there's there's other things too. Uh, that I'm, that I'm sure just are escaping me. Um, but you know, I, I think that it's again, it's it's the reaction to the uncomfortability that that gets us in trouble. It's that's that's what this reading I think is talking about. Is you know, when we refuse to accept the reality of today, we're denying faith in our higher power. Meaning that, you know, the universe or whatever it has put before us the world as it is. And we can either accept it or we can't. Or won't. And if we choose to not accept the world as it is, life on life's terms, it can get us into trouble. There's going to be friction <clears throat> and adversity. And a lot of it will be very unnecessary. Sometimes it is necessary to push back against things and try to mold uh, a situation into what you think it needs to be because it's it's unjust and and maybe you think that by righteously pushing against it you can cause uh, effective uh, positive change a lot of times that will not work in our favor it'll be counterintuitive counterproductive but um, but if we can simply accept that something is what it is appreciate the feelings associated with it however strong and uh, seemingly unbearable they are, 
uh, we can get through them. And if we've dealt with something like this in the past and maybe did not deal well, we can look back on that with some perspective and try to change our reaction to that in the future. Case in point, um, as I was walking to work, uh, I would have been clocking in probably five after three because I, I, my shift starts at three and I'm classically late for everything. Um, so at about 2.55, as I was walking to work, I was about halfway there, just a few blocks away, uh, I looked and saw that I had a message from a friend of mine informing me that another friend of mine, uh, a very longtime friend, someone that I've known for almost half my life, actually, yeah, no, no half my life, um, had died of an overdose. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had so many friends die from, from addiction, uh, either, you know, by way of suicide, you know, getting hit by a car or being in a car that wrecked or, uh, or overdosing on, on heroin, you know, uh, people drinking themselves to death or just, you know, just not taking good care of themselves and, you know, some other circumstance just, you know, got the better of them and, and caused them to perish. It's happened so frequently and, and so many people that I've loved have been ripped away from, uh, from the world uh, because of this. It's like I, I, I couldn't list all the people. I, I, I mean, I literally can't. It would take me days, if not weeks, to go over uh, my life and, and, and count every person that I've lost that you know that that, that died too soon because of uh, addiction. Um, and I just I, I got this news and I it stopped me in my tracks. And I was just like, fuck. You know, I, uh, I didn't really know what to do, you know? So I just kind of, I just leaned forward and just kept picking up my feet. And eventually it led me into work. But by the time I got there, I, I was like, I can't be here. This, this, no, I can't be here. I can't, I can't stand on the, on the, the, the front floor and, uh, you know, wave at people and say, you know, thank you for shopping here and have a great day and, you know, check people's items out and bag their groceries and act like I'm happy to be there and that everything is cool. Uh, even behind a mask, you know, I, um, there's no way I'd be able to hide, uh, what I'm feeling and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right of me to impose my grief on uh, unsuspecting patrons of the store, you know? I mean, not that I'm ashamed of showing emotion, not at all, uh, but there's a time and place to share that, and this is, you know, clearly one of them. Um, you know, and, and to do that to a stranger is to, uh, you know, to hold somebody hostage, really, and to exploit uh, their vulnerability in that moment. And 
that that wouldn't sit well with me. You know, somebody did that to me. It's, it's not why I didn't do it, but like, oh, it happened to me. Again, that's self-centeredness. But um, it's just not right. It's, it's not cool, and it's not my style, you know. Uh, it's almost like it's almost like raping somebody emotionally, you know, to do something like that. Um, so I I came in and I went up to my supervisor that's on today and and you know she asked me she's like it's like hey Pat how you doing I'm like uh not good <laughs> I uh I I don't think I can be here today. That's what I told her. She kind of looked me up and down. She's like, okay, uh, just give me two minutes and, uh, you know, I'll come talk to you. I was like, all right. So I went and sat down off to the side, kind of, you know, just out of the walking space. So, you know, I didn't get run over by a cart. And and I just started weeping, you know, like once I sat down, it, it, it kind of hit me finally. And I just started to cry. And, uh, you know, like, my, my, my chest felt like it was being, stand, like, stood on, and I just, I, mean, I didn't, like, you know, get on my knees and wail, <laughs> you know, sobbing, and cause a scene, but uh, I wasn't, you know, necessarily trying to, like, shamefully hide away either, uh, but, um, in any event, uh, a few minutes later, my, my supervisor came up, and she saw that I was, you know, visibly upset, and she asked me to come to the back office with her, and and I was still kind of breaking down a little bit. She went and got me some, some tissue that was kind of her, and uh, asked me if I wanted to talk about it. She, she, she was very gentle, very good. She actually, uh, she and I uh, were, um, we took uh, education courses together in human services, uh, when I was, um, becoming a substance abuse counselor myself. And, um, so, you know, we have, we, we have similar appreciations for how to handle situations like this. And, um, she was, she was very, very cool and decent about it. So I explained this, the situation, the news that I just learned and, uh, and explained, also that, you know, I just, I didn't feel confident or comfortable uh, holding the line uh, in this moment with, you know, in my current headspace and, uh, you know, the way my heart is feeling. Uh, I made this mistake before where I was at work and got wind or word of uh, the passing of, of a long uh, time, a really good friend of mine, Josh, Again, you know, similar circumstance. He he died of an overdose, and I was at work, and I just happened to see something somebody posted on Facebook, and uh, and again, I mean, I was messaged directly by some by mutual friend uh, about this this uh, this new loss, um, but still, like, God, I've had the same phone number for eleven years. If somebody could just call me, <laughs> that would be way way better. You know, it, I, it would be more considerate, I think, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I'm not trying to call people out or anything, and I, I know it's sort of like our go-to communication style nowadays, but still, it's like, when it comes to something like 
like informing someone about the you know the death of another you know have have the common courtesy to to make direct contact and use your voice you know just hear, hearing hearing the sentiment in one's tone can be uh very comforting in times like this so um so yeah i, I was at work uh when i worked for the college i went to and i was the only one in the office and i didn't know what to do i just sat there and completed my shift for another couple hours by my just alone by myself with this and i was just like and it put a big stint on my ability to grieve. I didn't cry for, for, for my friend Josh for weeks. It's like I, I held up the show, you know. Uh, it wasn't until I, I read a letter that his mother had written uh, that uh, about, about his death that I finally broke down and was able to cry for him. And, uh, you know, grief is uh, a really important uh, part of my life, you know, having lost many, many friends, also, uh, many, uh, family members, uh, most notably, uh, my father when I was young, um, uh, other, you know, my, my, uh, aunts and uncles, and, uh, my grandparents and, um, and of course, my son. You know, I, I've I've grieved many, and uh, and every every episode of grief is different. To some degree, uh, uh, there's a little a little difference in, in every um, relationship, you know. Um, but uh, ultimately, it all kind of taps into the same. Um, reservoir of, of, of love and emotion that I have for that person and, and the more I love them the more it hurts obviously and uh, my friend that I found out about that died today uh, I have a love I have a lot of love for I always have um, she's a female friend and, and one of the few that I never actually had sex with <laughs> Which is kind of surprising, to be honest with you. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that that, that that it also bums me out that we can, <laughs> that we'll never be able to uh, share uh, uh, body space. Uh, that you know, I, I've always thought she was beautiful, and um, and and I've always been attracted to her physically. But but our relationship went beyond that. You know, we've we've been buddies. Uh, longtime friends, and we've been in the battle against addiction together for a long time. It's like it's like losing, you know, a fellow soldier, you know, uh, and you know, like to lose someone in battle, you know, is is really hard. And that that's that's what that's what it's always kind of like, really, you know. And, and she's fought so hard, she's fought so hard, and she acquired a lot of wounds along the way, and. She's managed to uh, to pick herself up and, and get back through. And, you know, these last few months, I know we're, we're hard on her. And she was, she was wearing down, you know. I, I could kind of see it, you know. She didn't have the same 
whoa, you know, <laughs> the same gruff in her and growl in her in her step in her approach that she used to have. She's she's tired, so I, I don't know if that contributed, but. I'm reacting to the situation the best way that I can right now. I uh, I went in and I you know, explained to my, my supervisor how I was feeling. Uh, they very graciously allowed me to, uh, to take off. They asked me if I would be able to come in later this evening uh, and then close up. Um, so I'll go back around like seven or eight and, uh, and do that and, and that'll be fine. I just needed some time to to channel my feelings and, uh, and focus my thoughts on, on, on something um, that isn't destructive or uh, something that would get me mixed up and you know swallow me into a, a, a you know a fit of despair. Uh, I also went to go try to talk to uh, the person who sent me the message of this uh, this sad news because she works just uh, about a block from from my store um, at a treatment center and uh, unfortunately I couldn't speak to her because she was facilitating a group at the moment but I talked to one of the other uh, uh, one of her co-workers another counselor that works there that I know and that knows me and you know can fully appreciate and also knew this this person who who passed away and uh totally appreciates like the gravity of the situation and and, and the state that that this would put me in and i was able to just for like you know five ten minutes you know just kind of talk with uh, with them about uh, how this is affecting me and what my plan is to do and um which ultimately came to be this you know i sit and record myself in process I uh I'm so grateful <clears throat> that I have this podcast so that I can I can do this and uh you know when things like this happen and when good things happen too you know I I, I want to share with others uh, the joys in my life and uh and anyone that that that, that listens uh gets to know and have their faith in humanity restored that like hey well good things are happening in the world that's awesome but you know sometimes sad things happen in the world and that sucks but um but you know i can i can sit here and although i'm grieving and uh and and i know that i i this is gonna continue uh you know i I'll have to contact her family Checking on them, I, I, I imagine that her brother and her parents are devastated. Um, I'll, I'll seek to find out uh, if there will be any funeral arrangement um, and try to manage a time so that I can attend that and be with friends and family and uh, so we can help comfort each other through this loss and uh, celebrate her life as best we can. And, um, you know, just, just try to be there for, for one another as human beings who, uh, who loved someone that loved us so much. But, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, just, 
shouldn't be with us anymore. So, I, uh, I will be back with you all soon. Um, <clears throat> I will have a guest, uh, another old friend of mine. Um, we're not terribly close. Uh, we, we've, like, close acquaintances, <laughs> I guess. I mean, we, we, we've met several times and we've been in contact with each other and, uh, and, and, you know, we've worked in similar fields and been well aware of one another's existence and work in the community for a long time, but, uh, you know, it's not like we hang out and, you know, go to each other's house for, like, Thanksgiving or anything, <laughs> but, um, anyway, uh, my good friend, I, I will, I will say yes, she is a good friend, uh, I have a lot of respect for her, uh, Faith, Faith Borzma, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, she'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Bowersma, Bowersma, I think Bowersma, I'm gonna go with Bowersma, uh, she's, uh, pretty prolific, uh, in the Madison area, and, uh, is a um, uh, an, an, an agent of, of community and um, and uh, justice. Uh, she's done uh, some some great uh, work in her association with Black Lives Matter. Um, she's worked in uh, the field of mental health and substance abuse uh, herself. Uh, she's studied uh, social work uh, and healthcare management. Uh, she knows her stuff. She's she's uh, highly educated, but she's also very artistically minded. Uh, she's she's got a beautiful soul, and uh, she's uh, uh, she's a poet. And she has a YouTube channel under the same name, Faith Bowersma, uh, which you can uh, find on YouTube, of course. And um, check out her uh, check out her piece. My soul is not for sale. Uh, it's it's really good. Um, it's it's very powerful, uh, and uh, it speaks to a lot of truth that I that I have and hold in my life. And uh, and I think some of my other listeners uh, would definitely um, uh, agree with where she's coming from. In that she will be my guest hopefully this Friday, um, if not then uh, some other time very soon. Uh, I, I look forward to having her with me here and talking a little bit about how she processes uh, her madness in the city. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk and uh, we'll share our thoughts and feelings and, and crazy with you. So thank you for being with me uh, in this moment. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and um, I hope that you all stay safe. Take care of yourselves, each other, and until uh, next time, this is Pat, saying bye for now. Oh, I'm just kidding.